<laughs> you ready? Let's go. This is Inside with Outsiders, and I'm Jeremy S. Gary. Today's guest is Mark White of our Outsider Chicago team and a legacy company, which is a fitness lifestyle brand company, right? Yeah. I messed that up, but okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. Um, you know, you're the first person from our Chicago crew to be here to be on this this uh, podcast, and I appreciate it. And you also helped me out big time when it comes to launching Chicago because you are were our photographer for the first two events, but you also kind of showed me the lay of the land of Chicago. I'm, I wasn't, I'm still not very familiar, but I was, I didn't know a thing about it until you showed me around. Yeah, a little introduction. That was nice. Yeah, be close to Mike, my guy. No one's gonna hear a thing you say. A little introduction. Yeah, yeah. Brought you a little introduction, man. Exactly. You yeah. can bring the mic forward, backwards, whatever you want. For sure. Um, well, I've known you for a long time. We met, we've actually met in the club through my friend Paloma, but we really met like hooping, playing basketball in New York. Yeah. That's where we connected. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I met your, your pa I met your mom in Chicago. I met some of your family. And I know your mom is originally from Belize. Your yeah. father is from where? My dad uh, grew up in Chicago, but his family is Irish. Irish, Irish from Chicago. Okay, old farmers. They came as uh, farmers from Ireland, and really, then grew up in um, in Indiana, and then the family moved to Chicago. So. What brought your mom in Chicago? Uh, so her father, uh, my grandfather, uh, came um, when she was about eight years old. Uh, he was studying uh, medicine. He wanted to be a pharmacist. Uh, so he came, he was a police officer in Belize and wanted to go to school. So he went up, sorry. Um, he you was can a move it up officer. to you, man. Yeah. Let me get a little. Yeah, he was a police officer. Then he moved uh, to Chicago and took them with. Uh, so uh, that's what landed her there. She actually went back to Belize and got her siblings and came back. Too. Oh, really? And this was, you know, um, when it was a little more lax, but she, you know, she came illegally. She had to come. And, really? Yeah, for sure. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, that's a cool story. Yeah, I mean, so that's a whole, we can go into that for, for forever, but um, yeah, my mom's a trooper, man. So it's funny how, uh, how those two journeys connect. And, I mean, your mom yeah. came to our first Outside of Chicago event and she was hiking. Like we were talking about today. She was like whistling, having a great time. Yeah. She's like super young spirited. For sure. Uh, she grew up, you know, pretty much in a, in a jungle environment. So mm -hmm. she remembers, she has memories of, uh, of wild horses in her backyard. Wow. Uh, you know, she could see them right. Or she would talk about uh, how the crabs would come whenever, when the season came and they would like take over and they just start like marching through her yard. Uh, so stories like that, you know, you hear, but then you don't get to experience it firsthand anymore. So she hadn't been back. I mean, she went back recently, but it had been over 30 years. Oh, wow. So you can imagine like growing up in that and then now you're in the in the city, a major city, and when totally different environment, yeah, uh, it's foreign. So, uh, yeah, but she loved it, man. You see how she just jumped right back. Yeah, into of course, and having a good time. We gotta we gotta get her back out there. I mean, everybody feels those benefits of being out in nature, especially when you're stuck in an urban environment. Yeah. Um, but were you were you born and raised in Chicago? Born and raised in Chicago in Uptown, um, on the North Side. Okay. Yeah, one of six. Um, yeah, interesting upbringing, man, for sure. You Tell know. me, let's talk about it. Let's hear it. How was it? I mean, your 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 mother's from the from Belize, from Caribbean. Yeah. Your father's white from he's of Irish descent. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really noticed in uh, Chicago, and something that was brought to my attention, especially after the first event we did, is how segregated Chicago is as a city. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, obviously, you know, we know that. If you're half black, they consider you black, right? So you fell into that category. But how did you feel? Did you was that how you felt, or did you feel like you didn't belong into in one group or not? Yeah, I think it's more so the latter. Really, I think a lot of people who are mixed feel that sentiment. Um, not just me, so I don't take it personal. So but yeah. would you say like too too uh, too black to be white, too white to be black? Yeah. And how was that so with a segregated city? Where do you fall in? I mean, it, it's just you don't. fun to you don't you don't. I mean, I always had friends. I wasn't, I wasn't an outcast by any means, but I knew, um, I knew early on that there was a, it was something different. Tell me, how how did you know? <laughs> um, uh, just like, okay, so my parents met. I give you a backstory of my parents. So my parents met in Evanston, which is a suburb right on a, right 
right on the border of Chicago, right? So, uh, which is a, it's a middle class, upper middle class um, suburb, you know, and but they were poor, both of them. Mm-hmm. My my dad was one of thirteen, so his family was poor, and so they were they were like known as like the hoodlums of Evanston because they were just wild and rambunctious. Thirteen kids, they were, wow. You know, so, um, so they Wait, hang on a second. Uh, so this that that show was it on Showtime? Um, damn it! What is it? Which oh, one? Uh, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Shameless. Shameless. Yeah. It was about an Irish family in the south side of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, they're, they're not the only story like <laughs> no, that. No, no, no. I'm sure. trying to say yeah. like, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I come from an Irish family, and I tell most of my family members were too. So. He's Irish and Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, okay. I mean, yeah. no, maybe not exactly the same, but not similar too much, vibes. Yeah, yeah similar. Yeah. Uh, so they just, <clears throat> they, uh, they met each other in high school um, and then reconnected later on in life, but... Um, so when they reconnected, uh, and got together, my dad, she then moved to the South side to 51st and Calumet and, you know, which is all black neighborhood. And so my dad would go over there, right? This is before I was even born, but he would go over there and he would tell me stories like how he would play with my uncle. He'd go play ball and all, everybody thought he was a cop. Really? (laughs) So, you know, but then he would play ball and that's how he kind of gained his stripes, I guess you could say. You know, he said he knew he was he was in a place where, um, you know, he wasn't from. But yeah, he was he was he was a dog on the court, man. So he told me, he said, yeah, me and your uncle, man, Uncle Kenny Mac, man, we would go go and kick their ass. He's like, he's like, he's like, I wouldn't talk shit. You know, I I knew where I was at and I I didn't I didn't do anything stupid. He's like, but yo, we go run the court on him. I'm throwing alley oops to him. Really? I didn't know. So your dad dad could hoop. Really? Yeah, my dad could hoop, man. I know. So Mark, Mark and hoop, man. We we met again. We met through a friend in the club, but we just talked about basketball really early and we went to play and and Mark, I think you were trying to play pro at the time. Mark could play and we played. We had good chemistry on the basketball court. Yeah, man. For sure. And he gives me nice compliments about my shooting when we're playing. So it's good in my book. <laughs> like a true point guard. You know, you got to know how to press, press your teammates. Today he's telling me, like, I remember I came to watch you play. This is, this is uh, a couple of years ago. I was like, you went for 11 for 11. I was like, I went 11 for 11 when? <laughs> I don't remember. But I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. So you, you got the love of the game through your pops. Oh, I guess your dad and your uncle. Yeah, man. I can remember, um, I can remember playing ball as a shorty. Like one of the... F- First memories I have is of having um, a little likes hoop for sure. Yeah. So it's five of us. It was five of us at the time, right? So I got two older sisters, an older brother, and then a younger brother. So we would all sleep in the same room. We had two bunk beds, L shaped, right next to each other, right? And um, we all found a spot to sleep on all of those. But what I would do in the morning, like I want to play ball, so I take all the blankets, all the extra blankets and pillows, and put them on the floor, and try to play ball quiet. But you're right here, you're right next door to your parents. It's seven in the morning, but I got the Jones, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna make nothing but nets, and I would like go on my knees and try to catch the ball, dude. So I get like 10, 15 minutes in, and I hear, it's like, oh shit. So that'd be my mom, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't even say anything. If she had to speak, then it was really something. Yeah. She would just pull me in the room and make me go back to bed. Like, yo, yeah. I'm not listening to this right now. Right, it's seven right. in the morning. So that started early, and then my pops would take me. Um, he would actually go play ball. So like he worked a lot and um, he would work like real late, but then he would pop in and then on his day off, he would go hoop right in the morning. So he'd come in and I hear him come in and I'm like, all right, it's not time. He's almost going to leave. And I would try to time when he get up so I can get in the car with him and go. So he would, he normally wouldn't take me. Like he wouldn't wake me up to go. I would have to. Yeah. So I hear him like, I hear like this gym bag or something or him going to the closet and I jump up. I'm, I'm coming. I grab my stuff and go. So I watch him play, and then I just start playing on the side, and that's how it started, man. Was he just a recreation <laughs> player, or did he play the organized ball? Uh, so my dad, uh, my dad had to work uh, as a as a teenager, so he didn't finish school, um, but he could hoop. And he said that, like, you know, when he would play, the coach would ask him, you know, tell him to come to practice and this and that. He's like, man, I gotta go to work. So he's one of those guys that could play but never play. Mm. Yeah. So, so, like, to this day, my dad still has got a jump shot. He, can, he taught me my first crossover. Really? He still yeah. plays? Yeah. yeah. That's nice. I had no idea. Yeah, Look at man. that. This is why I love this podcast. <laughs> I've known this guy for, I don't know, 12 years now? Man, it's been some time, for sure. Longer yeah. than that, maybe. 
Yeah, actually, I met you before I had that back surgery from playing ball. We played in that Williamsburg League where we busted them up. Yeah, man. That was nice. That's crazy. Um, so your dad was working like crazy growing up, but he found time to show you how to play ball. What, what else was it like? Like, Let's go back to like... Oh, the differences of not... Uh, exactly. Of, of not fitting in. Yeah, so like you would get the things... I, like some of the general ones, right? It's like, why do you talk like that? Why are you, are you white? Why are you talking black, number one? It's like, have you seen my mom? But what di- what difference? Who would say this? Just people, like in the neighborhood or whatever. Yeah. But, but like, what neighborhood did you live in, actually? What was so it? So I grew up in Uptown, which is really diverse. Really? Yeah. I mean, you get everything. Okay. So and that's a that's a that's another, I guess you could say like like an anomaly, in the city because you don't have that really. Like you yeah. go to the north side, it's mostly white, or then you go on black. Or on the south side, it's mostly black, and then you have pockets of different things. Yeah, right, all Spanish, or but it's mostly people stay where they are. Yeah, um, but Uptown was real unique. So I had Vietnamese friends growing up. I had Spanish friends. Is it still time. like that there? Yeah, because I know I don't know too many neighborhoods in in uh, Chicago, but I know the north, from what I gather, is more white. The south is more black and uh, Latino, right? Yeah, and then. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. And Humboldt Park is like Puerto Rican. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. I got to learn the lay of the land, man. You got it. I mean, that's all. It's pretty much that's it? how you said it. Oh, yeah. wow. For the yeah. So it's like Northern Chicago is probably like, it'd be almost kind of like, like say like Queens and Brooklyn where it's like, it's a mix of a bunch of different things. Yeah. But if you had to like throw a dart on the white side, it would be the North side. If you had okay. to throw a dart for the black side, it'd it be, be on the, the South, south side. side. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, you can tell, like you can see it driving them through the highway. So let's say you start up in the suburbs on the north side, and you start driving. You look, just look to, just look to the left or right. You'll see, you know, mostly white people, and then you see some Asians and some Spanish people, right? And you get downtown, and it's all mixed. And then you start going out south, and it's mostly black people. You can mm-hmm. tell, like that's how they literally kind of draw the line. First. It's so interesting. I mean, obviously, there's pockets of neighborhoods in New York that are specifically for one mostly a genre of people and so on, but it's getting more and more mixed or more gentrified in most of the places, to be honest with you. But in Chicago, it's great. Like the first, the first event, the biggest, uh, the most the impactful comment I heard from somebody about what we did, like, wow, you guys, you guys say you're diverse, but you're actually diverse, your group. I'm like, well, yeah, that's what we said. We're like, yeah, but nowhere, it's hard to find diversity in groups in Chicago. Like, really? Man, listen, if we talk about if we talk about race and diversity in Chicago, I'll tell you things that happen in Chicago and you'll look at me like I'm crazy. Like, nah, that shit, come on, they like still what? do that. Like what? Tell me. Like, I mean, there's still establishments that don't want black people to come to their that don't want them to patronize their establishment. So they'll do whatever that is, whether that be dress code or whether that be um I mean, there's a bunch of little subtle things that happen well, like that. Well, let's be that, honest. That's in every city. Globally. No, for sure. But if we go, tell me where you feel uncomfortable going in New York City. Me personally? Yeah. I kind of feel like I... You can't. You don't. Blend it. No, but, there's, but I have black friends that might feel uncomfortable going somewhere because they get denied at the door because... because I remember there was a place, a night, nightclub I heard, a doorman, the doorman I knew was telling me, that uh, and he was was he black? I, I know he worked there at one point, but he said they only allow two black people per night. And this is in two thousand six or something, like two thousand five yeah. in New York. But it was like a Euro trash party, you know. Yeah. But I think around here, it's more about like when you go into certain areas, like if you go into like the Bronx, but South Bronx back in the day, if you didn't walk in and you didn't act a certain way, you just walked in, like, you know, you and you actually, they, they felt like you belonged there, then nobody's going to bust the balls. Like, nobody yeah. pulled your card in, in the city. As long as you were, like, you felt like, like, you, you were part of the, like, you were part of the community and shit yeah, when you I walked guess in. it's the, the vibe of the confidence you walk in a yeah, place with yeah. in, in New York. Uh, Chicago, again, I don't know the lay of the land, but the fact that they, is a crazy, so I, I hope it's not as bad as, my friend went to Tennessee, worked for, from, they're from Sweden, representing Jack Daniels in Sweden. So they got invited to Tennessee for this, uh, whatever, this, this work thing. And a bunch of the white Swedish Jews went into a bar and they're having a having drinks. And then one of their friends who's half white, half black, but looks darker, looks more black than he does white, walks in. He's about to walk in and they were like, your kind is not welcome here. 
he's like, what? He's from Sweden. He's like, he starts laughing and they, they gave him the, you know, you better leave look. And uh, that's, in, that's in the South, though. You know, we think in the North, uh, it's, not it's as, different. It's not as overt as that. Of course. No, yeah. it's, I mean, it's more, out, it's more out in the open in the South, I'm assuming. And I'm not talking from experience. I don't know. So if I'm talking out of my face, I apologize. But Chicago, you're saying it's, it's still very prominent? There's, a, there's an undertone, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. It's more of an undertone. But there's also just, you said it, there's a physical divide. Yeah, well, that's, that's the more right. noticeable thing for so me. So we don't have to... We don't have to, to it's literally like the yeah. other side of the tracks. It's like... It's, it's the identity of the city. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's insane. It's you, see, you got people who live on the south side that, ne- that don't go downtown. They don't cross... They don't even, don't even know what no, up north is. Do Man. you see... Do you see a change happening? And vice happening? versa. Vice versa. It goes well, of course, ways. of course. Yeah, but do you see ways. a change happening where you see more, okay, black, white, but do you see a gray area building? I can't say. I mean, from my lens, man, I think from my lens, people as a whole is becoming less about race and more about other things. So I think that the tone for r- racial tension is being dampened only because there are other issues that are coming up. What are some of those examples? I mean, it could just be like, um, it could be political views. It can be right. gender, you know, identity uh, Opinion, discussions. Yeah. It could be anything like that. And so now you, you're, you're, you're cutting up the loaf of bread a bunch of different oh ways and a, God, and a yeah. bunch of different slices. It's all. It's still the same loaf of bread. It's still the same bullshit we yeah. we're in, but now it's just like all right, all right. First it was this. It was you know race was the was the stamp for for the tension and the and the things that are um, the ills of this country. Let's say right? right. That's that's a stamp for that. And now you got all these other issues that um, that are now propped up and have a platform to be uh, to be viewed and have. An influence, yeah, right on the way people uh, um, form relationships. Mm-hmm. You may you may have a perspective that differs from mine, and in your heart, that may be a dividing line right then and there for you to even mm-hmm. have an opportunity to see I mean, what I'm about, right? Yeah. So think about that. If we're talking about a country that's supposed to be unified in something, how can you be unified? I could be unified when certain things like that prevent you from even sitting down at a table and speaking. Right. But the fact, I guess what shocks me the most is the, the physical divide is so obvious in Chicago. You know, but it's funny, I've been out to Chicago, I've been to the Hoxton, to Blind Barber, and there was nice, maybe there's those places I went to because I'm rolling with a diverse group, but it was a nice uh, diverse group of people in those places. And that's not to say Chicago is beautiful and got some beautiful places and and has some unique diversity that you can't find anywhere else. Like, I mean, go to Uptown, man. Just you, you can get food from every country in a two block radius, literally. Where's Uptown? Where, Uptown is up north. Like, Will, I grew up on Wilson and Sheridan until um, I was about 11 and then I moved. But there's a whole... Uh, restaurant area like little vietnam is right there oh yeah you know um a bunch of ethiopian restaurants a bunch of um i went to a spot that had a bunch of middle eastern restaurants went to a persian restaurant in chicago it was a block with a lot of uh other ethnic cuisines it was was, because it's cool yeah 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 so i'm not bashing i love my city man there's no city like it um but it's got some you know it's got some real work to do yeah and it's it's some people that want it want it to happen and want to build a real uh, unified city, but it's a lot of people that don't because they profit from that. So you gotta how do they profit from it? How do they profit from the segregation of the divide? Yeah, I mean, okay, so think about it. If you have an affluent area, right, and business is propped up a certain way to where you're profitable on certain numbers. Like, let's just say having an employee. If you don't have an employee, if you have an employee that has to make a livable wage and that affects your bottom line to where you're not profitable, are you, are you going to pay that person a livable wage? No. 
right? You're going to go find the cheapest labor you can. So it, what I'm saying is that business, especially, this is just all, most major cities. That's how it is. You need somebody to go work those low-paying jobs. Mm-hmm. You need somebody. Now, if those people had resources to, to educate themselves, to have some type of sustainable uh, baseline to where they can then leave the conditions they're in or have the opportunity at least, yeah. right? Then there'd be less of those workers and who's going to fill those slots, right? right? So look, this is just capitalism. And if you don't believe me, you don't have to. This is my opinion. You have to have haves and have nots. And so major cities are just a, uh, a magnified um, version of what capitalism brings about. And I'm not a communist, I'm not a socialist, I'm not, I won't even get into that. I'm just saying that for the, for, the, for the system to work, there has to, right, money is valuable only if you don't have it. Right. Well, money's always valuable, but it's... But I'm saying it's more valuable yeah. when someone doesn't have it. If, I, if you got a million dollars and I got a million dollars, then what's stopping us from buying whatever we want? Nothing, mm-hmm. right? There's right. no supply, demand changes, there's no flow, there's no, right? So... I'm, I'm not knocking capitalism. I'm just saying that in these major cities, there's a portion of it that happens where you have to have some people to do the grunt work. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a society. So, uh, so with, with that being said, I'm saying now look at where the resources are being put. Look at where taxpayer dollars are being placed in these cities for them to, quote unquote, flourish and to better themselves. Okay, we're going to build new parks. We're going to build new skyscrapers and redo the riverfront. And we're going to, uh, you know, Fix the sidewalks yeah. up over here, and then you go on on another side of the city, and these kids got books from 1994. Right. So you can't tell me that you don't have the resources to to fix that up and play the long game and help build these people up so that they're productive members of, of society. Right. That's just a problem you'll get to when you get to when it's time to oh when everything else is built up, we're gonna come play over Systemic here and then you build it yeah. up. Come on, man. Look, just call the spade the spade, man. You know, I, I'm I don't. I don't play sides. I don't play victims. I just call it what it is. And if, yeah. if people want to turn a blind eye to the shit that's going on in most major cities, then that's on you. Whoever in New York too. Yeah. No, no, it ha- it, it's, it's not it, just Chicago. No, no, it's, but it's, it's not. It's not. A, it's honestly, it's not even about um, like a race. It's literally just about you got good areas and you got shit areas, and the shit areas are always you get the sec. They get second yeah, glance. Yeah, that's it. That is what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. I'm, and all I'm saying is that the, I believe that there's a better way. If we if we really had a sense of community. Look, if you go to Amsterdam, do you see that Amsterdam? I'm just saying. Not well, yes, but it's in the suburbs. In Europe, the, the hoods are in the suburbs. Okay, yeah. but even in the in, even in the inner city, there are resources for these people to go find housing. To they, you know, you can get whatever assistance that you need if you want it. If you want it, and yeah. it's not hard to get to. Come on, what's a food desert? We're in the richest quote unquote country country in the world, but you have food deserts. You got somewhere where somebody has to travel miles and miles to get decent food, a grocery store. So now what are they eating all day? It's, it's more than just money, man. It's more than just money. We're talking about basic fundamental uh, provisions that people should yeah. be, that everybody should have an opportunity to get to. That's all I'm saying. Let's, we went on a nice tangent about that for sure. And <laughs> I don't, don't want to go away from that, but I also want to know more about you. Um, For sure. Where did you go? Where did you go to a school leading up to high school? And where did you go to high school? Uh, I went to George B. Armstrong Elementary. That's in Rogers Park. Real diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, good school. And then I went to Walter Payton. Oh, uh, we passed by with uh, Sot, right? Yeah, yeah. Went Wait, they have Payton. a school named after a running back of the Chicago Bears? Yeah, so he. Oh, listen, I'm a Chicago's Bear. I'm a Chicago's Bear fan since '85. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> How did you become a Chicago <laughs> Bear fan in New York? I oh, literally Bears. bet my uncle five bucks that the Bears are going to beat the Giants in a game. This is '85 before they won the Super Bowl and they beat the Giants, mm-hmm. and I won five dollars. So they yeah, literally yeah. been my favorite team since 1985. And just and just because of five dollars. Look at that. For five dollars, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> loyal, I'm loyal man. Uh, <laughs> 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 so what was uh, high school like there? Um, high school for me was uh, it was a new school, so it was challenging. Um, it was far away. Why'd so, you go there if it was far? Because it was a new school and it was a lot of hoopla around, and I tested well, and my parents wanted me to go, so they like, yeah, you should go there. And uh, did you did you play there? Play ball? No, nah, I didn't. What? 
No, I didn't. Why? Because I, I, I couldn't juggle the grades. I had, yeah, man, it was rough. You never played high school ball? Nah, man. Holy shit. No. Did you play college ball? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, play some college. Interesting. So tell me about the, the high school experience. Uh, man, yeah, high school was, was uh, I just didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, nothing really, I was in there for math and science. Um, but Did you do wellness? Well, I guess not. You managed it wasn't the, it, I just didn't do the work. I mm. could, I could do, I could do the workload, but I lacked discipline. So, like, I was really diligent in grade school, and then when I became a teenager, uh, become less interested in shit. Yeah, when I became a teenager, I got nothing. It, it, nothing that I came in contact with in school really drove me. Like the curriculum I was learning, I was just like, okay, like I'm reading this book. But I really don't care about this book. Mm. I'm 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 reading this history, but I really don't care about this history. Or I'm doing this chemistry. I really don't. So my issue was finding uh, finding the motivator to to get me to do those things that I didn't want to do. And there was nobody at home checking. My parents had to work and whatnot. So like, yeah, I was left to my own vices. Mm. You know, my own devices. But it became. Um, yeah, it just became a, a fuck off of me, honestly. You know, like I I didn't want to go. There was nothing that was really driving me. And then when I didn't play ball, it was like a, a compound effect. So, like, I'm not who Did you finish either. high school? Yeah. And I'll tell you how I finished, man. Huh. <laughs> so, I was I was demoted, right? You know what demoted means? So, it's like if you if you were a sophomore, but you have junior, or you have freshman credits, you're, you're demoted. Even though you've been in school for two years, you have you've completed the workload of a freshman, therefore you are demoted. Oh, so you're left back. You left back, yeah. right? So I was, I basically did two years of work in one year to graduate on time. Just really? I wanted to get the fuck out of there. So, well, yeah. So all my teachers were like, what, where do you, where was this shit at two years ago? Like, you know, but it was just the pressure that I found myself in that forced me to discipline myself to do the work. Right. So, I mean, like, Throughout college, that was that shit was easy too. Where'd you go to school? College. I bounced around. I, I started going uh, to Southern Illinois, and I didn't know any better. This is like this is another issue, and I won't go on a tangent on this. But having um, having someone to guide you through the process of going to school to higher learning, figuring out the ins and outs. Because let me tell you guys, this shit is a business. Yeah. At the end of the day, those people want their money. Yeah. And so if you don't have a plan to pay those people their money um, or you don't have a plan on how you're going to uh, figure out finances and not find yourself in a hole, you're going to find yourself in a hole. Yeah. So I found myself in a hole and that's a whole nother story. But I got my degree and, you know. Where'd you, where'd you finish from? Uh, I finished from the college in Mount St. Vincent. Um, it's up in Riverdale. Yeah, in New York, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that what brought you to New York the first time? Man, I, no, it's not what brought, what brought you to New York. That's a whole other story, man. That's here. What, what brought you? So when did you leave, when did you leave Chicago? How big is your memory card, man? <laughs> <laughs> when did you leave Chicago? Man, so... so. so you could just... So you, so you don't I'm going to segue out of college. Huh? I'll segue out of, out of um, Southern Illinois. Yeah, yeah. and where did you so go from there? I was in Southern Illinois. I couldn't pay it. So I went, and I and my parents didn't have the money. God bless them at the time. They they got me down there. Like we scrounged up as a family, like five hundred bucks, hopped in a car, bought me like some shit from Target, and got me in the door. And then I was supposed to get these loans, but my parents had no credit, bad credit. No one could sign for me. So now I'm sitting there with this bill over my head, and I got no way to pay it because I can't qualify for any loans. So I'm like, what options do I have? And they're like, find a cosigner. I couldn't find one. So I come home from class <clears throat> and they they changed the locks. What? The school changed the locks? They changed the locks on my dorm and um, took my meal card and everything. So I was down there literally starving. I didn't want to tell my parents because I already knew that they didn't have it. So I was like, fuck, man, how am I going to, how am I navigate this shit? So like I went, I moved into my friend's dorm um, for a little bit and I was fucking eating out the vending machine. I got sick. And I had to go home. But, like, I tried everything I could to, to stay, but mm -hmm. it just didn't work out. So I went back home, and then I got sick. And I was like. What, what did you get? How did you get sick? From dehydration. Because I was eating ramen noodles and drinking soda out the vending machine. 
<laughs> so I got fucked up, man. It was bad. Um, and uh, can I curse? Is that bad? Yeah, you curse. Is it curse? Okay. Um, yeah. Um, yes, now. You just dropped like eight <laughs> yeah. F-bombs. Because I mean, look, I forget about this. I'm talking to That's you, good. man. That means you're in, you're in the flow right now. Yeah. So so you got sick. What, what happens when you get home? Like, what was, what was your plan then? So I, so before I left Southern Illinois, I, I, went in, I went to try out for the team. And, you know, they weren't really taking anybody. They had their team already. Um, but I did well, man. And I was just like, I want to go somewhere with this. I don't know where I'm going to go, but. That's the only thing I'm really good at. So let me just hold on to that and see where it takes me. So hoops always drove me, but I just didn't have discipline or anything else. Um, so I was like, all right, let me hold on to that and let it take me where it's going to take me, man. So I bounced around trying to find whatever school would take me. Finally got like some trials and, and, and ended up in a couple of JUCOs. Um, but I ended up in New York because I took a break from that uh, after I finished my first two years. And I, I was always... <laughs> I was into gambling, man, playing poker. So I used to play in high school, and I was pretty good. And uh, as I finished high school, I kept playing. So I would go to, like, different underground games and stuff and started meeting people. So um, I met a guy, um, and we became really good friends, man. Uh, his name was Pun. Uh, he actually passed away. Um, pun? Yeah, Pun passed away, man. Like Big Pun? Yeah. That's what we called him. His name is Brandon. But Oh, yeah. this should meant, like, the rapper Pun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we, we used to call him Pun, and Pun was from New York. So I met him, and he's sitting there with his Mets hat on, you know, at the table. It's like, man, where are you from, man? What it? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm from New York. And this, I was like, man, I've never been. He's like, you want to go? I'm going next week. And I was like, yeah, I'll go, like just in jest, like yeah. playing around. But I would see him, you know, at the games, and then he's like, yo, you, you going to come? And I was like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. So I barely even met this guy, man, and I I jump in, <laughs> I jump in his car, and we uh we come take a trip, man, and that's what made me fall in love with New York. So I was like, when we came back, I was like, I gotta find a way to get over there. So um, I was making good money. I was I was doing what was I doing at that time, man? I was like doing like security. I was waiting tables. I was doing a bunch in of New shit. York. No, in Chicago okay. before I came. So I had a little bit of money saved up. I was doing all right. Um, and he's like, yo, I'm moving. I'm moving back to New York. Same guy. And I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, yeah, you know, we could, we could get a spot together. I was like, all right, let's do it. All right. So he's like, all right, we'll leave. We set a date. Cool. I pack my stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good to go. Tell me why we get here. <laughs> we get here. We pull up in Jersey first. We get to Jersey. Hold on. I'll be right back. Close the door. Comes back out. Yeah, uh, so, I'm like, where's this apartment we supposed to have set up? All this, bro, he had nothing set up. Oh, wow. So I literally came out to New York butt naked, man, butt naked. So this is what we do. So I'm like, what am I going to do? I have no place. I didn't know I had family at the time. That was my, my safe. Uh, that was my save. I called my mom, and I had a great aunt who lived in Harlem. So I ended up staying there temporarily. But um, at that time, I'm like, what are we going to do? So... We thought, we sat there. I was like, I'm not about to sit in this car. I'm not sleeping in this car. I'm not having it. Let's go to Atlantic City. So we go to Atlantic City. I'm like, I got this money saved up. Uh, by not. the way, that's a two and a half hour, three hour drive. Yeah, it's about three hour drive. From New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just, on a whim, we get to Jersey, and all of a sudden you're like, let's go straight to Atlantic yeah. City. So we get, to, we get to Atlantic City. It's like in the middle of the, the night, too. I remember it was foggy. We were like sitting in a parking lot he had this old delta 88 with the rag hanging off of this shit and i was like bro i'm not sleeping in this not happening so i go in there and i start playing and i start playing and um just like basic cash game nothing crazy not no high roller stuff yeah. but i sat there and and you know my pile started come, stacking up so he comes in he walks in he sees what i got going on and he sits down too so he sits down he starts doing good and before you know it, we're both, you know, we got we got a cu couple grand in our bankroll, which we didn't have when we got there. I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, this ain't so bad. So we're like, fuck it, let's let's get a room. So we get a room, and we stay there for a couple more days and clean up. So really? what, what turned into a nightmare, it, you know, ended up giving me an extra boost to kind of. How much did you end up making in those couple? Man, days? I made like a good. I probably like 
a few thousand, man, like four thousand, five thousand. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. It was over a quarter. Like I would make like fifteen hundred a day. Yeah. <laughs> And and he would come and borrow from me too, cause he he was more aggressive. So he would like have highs and lows. And he'd come and <laughs> throw him a few hundred. Like get back on your feet, man. Stop playing over there. Like you know. And so he rack up again. And so <laughs> last night or one of the last nights, we we um, you don't know what time it is when you finish you know, playing. It's the worst. Right? Cause there's no there's no windows or anything. So uh, we get out, and I'm like, what are we gonna eat? It's like. Eight in the morning, I'm starving. It was early, early in the morning, bro. We went and had like a hundred wings from Hooters. Oh my! <laughs> celebratory breakfast. <laughs> wings from Hooters is a celebratory <laughs> breakfast. You guys had it all figured out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that's how I that's how I landed here. Then I did so, um, a quick tryout. And that's how, that's what got me into school. And which tryout? Where? Um, on St. Vincent. Yeah. That's in the Bronx, or is that yeah. Westchester? It's in the Bronx. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might have played you guys. C3? Yeah. Yeah, we might have played him Hunter. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. So you got a, you got an apartment with that money with your boy, or what did you do? Uh, so I actually went and stayed with my aunt before then finding, I found a spot on Craigslist, and the rest is history. Gotcha. Not, that's, that, actually, the rest is not history. That's a whole other story. Yeah, you got, you got a job uh, <laughs> bartending shortly after, right? Uh, man, so my first job, yeah. believe it or not, um, with Starbucks. Yeah, so I had to find something to work with my school schedule. And so I would work Starbucks like three in the morning. I would go three in the morning. Man, this shit is wild. That's what I tell you, it's another story. Uh, I was living in the South Bronx, my first place, South Bronx, with some random people. Um, and I had to work at Starbucks. That was a, because I didn't know anybody. I had no network yeah. or nothing. So I went from making good money back at home to, you know, have to take what I can get. So I got that, man. And um, I got into bartending by lying on my resume, saying that I bartended before. I was working overnight at 59th Street at Starbucks. This French guy came came in, matter of fact. He's like, it was late at night. So we just started, we started talking. We went to Starbucks that night? That's crazy. We started talking and um, he's like, what do you want to do and this and that? What are you doing in here? And I was like, well, you know, I, I've I've, uh, I've served tables and you know before, but I haven't done it here. He's like, just lie. Yeah. He's like, lie. He's like, I will get. He's like, I work. He worked at um, I, I think the name was Vion. Vion is a restaurant. I don't know if it's still open. But he's like, yes, uh, I work at Vion. You can use me as a reference. Use me. If, so I went to uh, a restaurant, typed up my resume. Went in there and told him that's what I made. I told I made a killing every night too. Like, what was your, you know, what was your nightly <laughs> cash out, this and that? I lied my ass off, man, and uh, and got the job. And so that gave me a, a leg up because then I started making some decent money and I could kind of breathe easy. But the transition was tough. I had a little little bit of money saved up, but then that goes quick in New York City. You know, that ain't yeah. What's like a few thousand dollars? So went from bar, from serving. You went to bartending. Yep, I went from serving to bartending. Uh, I started bartending because they had a private party on the roof, and the guy never showed up, and so they threw me in, and I never bartended ever. And I had like a few hundred people on the rooftop. Oh wow! So the line was like six feet back, and I didn't drink, so I didn't know what they were asking for. Like, what I don't know what a Cosmo was, or how to make a margarita, or none of that shit. Uh, I was like, I said, whatever it is, just tell me what's in it, and I'll make it strong. And the people, you know, and that, so I'm just slinging out drinks, and that's. So you and were you weren't playing ball at the time? Uh, no, I was playing ball. Yeah, so I, I went to BMCC. Um, I just emailed the coach, like I sent him like some film I had of some old film I had, and then he, I flew myself out, just tried out, and got it. It wasn't there. Was, BMCC is no like scholarship or no. No, no, like we that. played against yeah. BMCC Community College, so. I yeah, just wanted I went, to hoop, that's where man. I started. I started, at B, I started at BMCC and ended at Hunter. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I just wanted to hoop. I took some classes there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what got that's what got me my foot into hoops out well, here. Let me ask you. So, I, I know hooping is is part of your livelihood because you train, but a huge part of your life also is you're a creative. Like you, you, you take photos, you make a video. When did that start? Because you haven't mentioned anything about that so far in your story. Uh, I always used to draw. So mm -hmm. I, as a kid, I would draw. Um, in middle school, we used to, our art teacher, Miss Rain, she was dope. Uh, she would make us do these recreations of famous 
artwork on a t-shirt and auction them off. <laughs> so uh, isn't that called slave labor? <laughs> uh, child, child labor, child labor, right? Child labor. It was a cool experience. <laughs> hey, she used to give us she used to give us snacks and stuff too, so it wasn't all bad. It wasn't. Uh, you got the cow paid in snacks for child labor. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take um, but no, that was a cool experience. So I had that, and I, I will hold on to that. Um, when then, you, when did you start messing with photos? Because you you messed with photography before you became a videographer, right? Yeah. Uh, so I got into photos. I think I was just I would play around with my camera phone uh, from time to time, and. and when I was bartending, one of the locals came in and um, he taught photography at the school, at the local school. So I don't know how he saw some of my pictures, but he was like, you got the eye, man. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you got the eye, man. You should shoot. You got a camera. And I was like, no. Nah. And so he came back with one of the loners. And really? And gave it to me. Damn. He's like, he said, hold on to this. He's like, when you get your own, you can give it back to me, right? You know, it's interesting. I would say it's luck, but it's not. I watched you. I watched you work the room in the gym today. We went to the gym, worked out in the morning. And you talked to everybody, but it's not like one of the people who just randomly talks to everybody. You know, you, you'll break the ice, but then have an actual thoughtful conversation with a person. I'm addicted to learning, man. Yeah, but I see that. Yeah. I see that. And I think that's why he, you know, so you the eye or the guy at Starbucks for him to volunteer saying lie because you obviously saw something in you. Mm. You know, it wasn't random. You know, it wasn't just like your luck. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think, I think opportunities uh, like that happen all the time. I just think you got to have your antennas up sometimes. Agreed. But Agreed. I, I get what you're saying yeah. in terms of like whatever it is that I'm projecting, the, they're picking up on, they can pick up on Absolutely. something that maybe I can't even see at the time. You so know? what was your path? So you left, I know you left, uh, I don't want to go on like long tangents about each aspect because you have a lot of chapters in your life, No, nah, right? keep it quick. My bad, man. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so I know when I met you, it was around how long after that? After? After college and after working? Right around that time. Around that time? You were just finishing yeah. up, right? No, I was still in it. I graduated in 20... 2012. I'm, oh, so I met you. When we were playing that. ball in Brooklyn, you were still in school? Yeah. And I also remember uh, you had your son. In 2012. In 2012, yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that whole conversation we would have about <laughs> back and forth with your, your ex and all that stuff. Um, yeah, man. How did having, obviously, having a son change your life a lot? You, you know, you stayed in New York for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, definitely a, a pivotal moment in my life for sure. I mean, how long did you stay in New York? Uh, almost a decade, man. Eight years. And what what was the reason for leaving? Man, shit just fell apart, man. Wow. Just everything. In what regard? Uh, oh, my relationship. Number one, obviously, right. And um, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I didn't. I had a job that I was supposed to line up with uh, with Hennessy. Yeah. And uh, man, got all the way through through the process, was looking at some good money, had prep for it, did like um, basically volunteer work for management to show that I could do the work. Went through everything. And the one thing that they said that I didn't <laughs> that I didn't have was experience. I was like, oh, I just graduated. Where, where are you yeah. coming to find this? That's so, a cop out. So yeah. That, yeah. So that really that really left the sour taste in my mouth. And I think that drove me to kind of to take the path that I've taken yeah i think that that was a that was one of the because to have that to have that in front of you and, and when you say the path you take it just to be clear you mean entrepreneurship yeah okay let's just be clear because a lot of people don't know you no yeah it, it took me on a path to like i was like fuck it if i'm gonna bet on me i'm gonna bet on me every time yeah and i'm gonna take these bumps and i'm gonna figure this shit out because <clears throat> I see what leaving it in the hands of other people does. So I don't want to leave it to chance. If I'm going to fall, if I'm going to take an L, I'm going to take an L. Yeah. You know, so shit. When I met, when that happened, that was basically like an opportunity for me to kind of save everything, right? Get a good job and have everything lined up and have some security and then have that strip. And then I had to separate from my son and that man, it was tough. So I had to go back home and pick up the pieces, bro. It was so you went back to easy. Chicago. Yeah. Because the job didn't pan out, but you didn't want to continue doing the... So I was bouncing around doing the, the bartending stuff. I was having difficulty finding housing. Really? Because I had no credit. 
Have so, you both right? credit since? Yeah, but then huh. I, I didn't have uh, income either, right? I was bartending. So it's like oh, now. You didn't that, huh? So, but even if I did, the, the, the <laughs> numbers that they're asking for to get something decent was tough. Oh, yeah, 40 now, times, yeah. And now I have a son. So now trying to, right, not having a stable home, I'm trying to find a room, a room with somebody. I was like, yeah, I also got a newborn. Like, so I'll be, I might have to watch him. I didn't know what the, yeah. so nobody, I didn't want anyone to touch me, man. So I was like, you know what? I'm in, I'm in a foreign place where I have no, I got no support system or I felt like I had no support system and I felt like I exhausted my resources. So I was like, I'm sitting here being a dead horse in some aspect. Yeah. And I was like, let me go, let me go back and find <clears throat> my footing. And that's what led me back to Chicago. So what did you do when you got to Chicago? So when I got back home to Chicago, I still bartended, but I started training. That's what I was training. I started training in school, actually. So I started training basketball. Um, my father was big into the weight, so that's what kind of gave me the foundation for that. But I was never training people. I was just doing it for myself. Um, but then teaching younger kids basketball. And then as I went on my journey trying to go pro and I started researching that shit because like I would be the hardest worker in the gym but not athlete not as athletic right yeah. lacking in certain things and I was like okay well this guy has it what's he doing so that led me down the rabbit hole of, of finding all these different workouts like, and so workouts on. and so on and kind of so when did you make the transition from also bartending to being full-time training uh so that was when I left Chicago and moved to LA so I left Chicago moved to LA and uh started working under uh, Jay Glazer's gym at Unbreakable. Okay. And that was kind of the, the catalyst that gave me the freedom to do just training. So yeah. I would do that and do private clients as well. Gotcha. And from there, I know you moved Miami, Chicago. You kind of were moving around a little bit after that. Yeah, after. Due to COVID, yeah. Due to COVID. Okay, so it wasn't before. So you were in LA after. for after. Yeah. So okay, when was this whole, when would you get into the video photography stuff? Uh, so when I, got into the camera was when I moved back to Chicago. So I moved back to Chicago and I met the, the teacher and he gave me the camera. And then I also have a good friend of mine, his name's Matt. We went to grade school together. He does weddings. And I think he saw, I think he may have seen my photos and he kind of took me under his wing and was like, let me really show you how to do this yeah. stuff. So he showed me how the camera work, work, and uh, let me do some shoots with him. And that, that got me started. And then from there, uh, I would just shoot on my own. I found it to be therapeutic like hoops. So like shooting a photo was like shooting a jump shot, the same right. type of feeling. And, you know? and uh, when did you start getting work for photography? Um, <clears throat> well, my first job was with Matt. So I, I got paid to be his second shooter for a right. wedding. So that got me in the door and gave me the confidence to charge. And then from there, it was just like, I mean, the same way I would speak to those people at the gym, you know, break the ice with them, and then they find out I shoot. And that's how it's been, man. Uh, only up until recently have I st started um, marketing, really, like putting together an actual marketing campaign. And I mean, you were, all, you were on tour for video recently, right? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I feel like training is maybe taking, not necessarily backseat, but almost level with your production work, right? Yeah, so... So what made me dive more into the photos and video was COVID because my industry was yeah. killed, you know, aside from doing uh, online training, uh, you know, it was dead. So I was like, okay, well, where am I going to put all this energy? Uh, and so that just led me, I was like, I know that things will, will come back, but in the meantime, let me really right. hone these skills. So I, I dove further into the camera uh, and then started messing around with video because I do the hoops, so everybody wants content. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let me let me try. And it's it's bad because I tell people in the beginning, like I have my friends, like, all right, man, I, I'm gonna shoot this, <laughs> shoot the video yeah. for you. I don't even know how to work the camera for video, man. It was terrible. So, um, but you just gotta fight through that mud, man, and figure it yeah, out. And so I, I stuck with it, and I'm still learning, but it, it's a journey that I enjoy being on, and it's helped because in this day and age, you know like I do, man, content is, is everything. So if you have a yeah. product and you can, you can help, um, help that vision be projected. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, you have the initiative to learn. Um, and now you have, you also have a daughter, a, a baby daughter now. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Maya. That's right. So, <laughs> so if you, uh, if you can choose for, for, to have one business flourish out of both your businesses, which one would you choose? 
It's tough. I would have to say, man, that's tough. I look at it from the, from the standpoint of impact. So it's like hand to hand because I help people with their physical body, right? And, and, and help them improve and give them um, some positivity there. But then with the camera, I'm capturing moments that people, yeah. and that's you can't choose crazy. One or the other. I mean, eventually, if you want to succeed and really thrive with one, you got to choose one and focus on that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my passion has always been um, fitness, and I think that that's more, that's more important than just a fleeting moment of happiness. Okay. Right? So if I, can, if I can give somebody um, quality of life, you know, whether they be a young athlete or, or older athlete, I think that that's invaluable. Yeah. So this leads to my next question. Since you're a father of two, what do you do for fun? When you have that limited free time, play basketball. Yeah, I play basketball or shoot <clears throat> photos, man. That's what I. I'm not working, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't work. I right. don't work. I play basketball. I share the knowledge that I have with with, with the people. Yeah, around we had me. a great workout today. You were right? giving me the the couple new drills for me. The floater drill. Oh man, I hate the floater. It's such a great shot, but it's so hard. Uh, no, yeah. that that's for real, man. Like if I'm not in the gym. <clears throat> I'm in the gym, yeah. like for myself. And if I'm not shooting a photo shoot, I'm shooting pictures. Even if it's around the house, like I'll shoot that can, bro. I'll pull out my little pocket rocket and I'll start shooting the can and just pushing around. <laughs> yeah, my yeah well, I mean, it's, Fuji. A, it's his tiny camera. It's a, it's a small. It's, you can literally put it in your pocket and pull it oh, out. It's like a shoot. point and shoot situation. Yeah, no, yeah, it kind of. It's kind of a point. It's it's not a point and shoot, but it's small. You can actually just pull it in nice. and pull it out. I find that to be. It's just like. It's just like anything, man. Any way to get consistent. So, like, you have a big camera and it's nice, but sometimes the best one is the one in your hand. Yeah. You know? Um, okay, well, let me ask some more questions for you. What are your goals and dreams? And it can be professionally and personal. Uh, my goal, some short-term goals are to help my mom get her house mm-hmm. um, to get a bigger space for my family and to have them all together. That would be my ultimate. A family all together, meeting yeah. your son and daughter and everyone? Yeah, that'd be dope. How old is your son now? 11. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, what, let's see, uh, what advice do you give high school you? And we talked about high school you wasn't focused and all that, but what yeah. would you change, if anything, or advise them? Uh, Find God quicker. Really, be, become more religious. Uh, become religious. Find religion faster, essentially. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of my trials have come from me thinking that I'm in this on my own. From my perspective, I know, I know I'm not alone. But <clears throat> you get told. I mean, everybody likes to touch the <laughs> touch the pan, right, to see if it's hot. So. I spent a lot of my time doing it, you know, and then I reached a point where that sh- they wasn't serving me. Yeah. So I was like, if I'm sitting here trying to mastermind all of these things to bring happiness and it's not working, some I'm doing something wrong. So yeah. I had to stop. Like it says, I, you, you can't rely on your own understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, only a fool does that. So I knew there were things that ri- were written on my heart that I could feel, but I always didn't act it out. And the more I started leaning into that, into what, I don't like saying my heart, but just the things that you know are right and wrong. Everybody knows intuition. what's right and wrong. Yeah, man, my intuition. Yeah. So leaning into that, but I think the guidance comes from having a relationship with the creator. Okay. You know, for sure. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever had a conversation about religion or God was today, this morning, driving in the car, listening to, uh, right? listen to Life of Pablo or Donda. Yeah. I forgot Donda, I think we listened to. For sure. The Deluxe, deluxe Donda. <laughs> um, uh, that's that's interesting advice. We haven't heard people uh, say that uh, yet, but I hear you. It's important not to feel alone. Uh, what is your favorite part of Outsiders? The name says it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, listen, man, as a kid, I, I grew up in a high-rise apartment, and I look back on it now, and you can call this, like, you know, I'm being dramatic. That shit was like a little jail cell. I I wanted to run around and play and be outside and like, but you, we get conditioned to being inside. It's not, it's abnormal, man. You're supposed to be outside enjoying and seeing. There's also a play on words with the name. 
there's outsiders being outside, but then, you know, outsiders, maybe some outcasts, you feel like you're different from the rest. We have a lot of people who come out with us because they don't necessarily want to be in the outdoors alone and their friends don't necessarily like to do what, the outdoor things, but they've come to find people that are like-minded and do that. So there's, there's, a, there's a play on words there. I've experienced that too, like yeah. the, on, the, on the trips I've yeah. taken with you, yeah. yeah. Crazy, I mean, my mom went. You know, you right, yeah, your mom was, I would like to get your mom involved in these <laughs> trips, man. And I'm not saying that to be a, no. a, a jokester, like your mom felt like she was a great addition to the team somehow, so if she'd be interested, yeah, that'd be great. You yeah, know? she was asking too, she's like, when's the next one? I said, we'll go, we'll go right. for sure, so I'll get it over there. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I think she, I think we would benefit from having someone like your mom there, and then she would benefit from being in the outdoors and the community vibe, like I think any, anyone benefits from community. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, uh. Actually, this is kind of in line with, maybe you can answer this, maybe not, but as a person of color, uh, tell us about your experience with the outdoors, because typically it's been more something that people in <laughs> urban environments say, that's not for me, that's not for us. Yeah. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think that it, it needs to be introduced um, to inner city youth as early as possible. If there was a way that you could consistently get them to be involved with uh, the environment outside of this environment it's essential it's medicine man yeah. it truly is um, and you're you just you're just away from a lot of influence to be with yourself a lot of people don't even know how what it's like to be you know without distraction or right or without influence. stimulus right yeah, stimulus. I mean, even if you could be with other people without being stimulated by other things and have a focus whether it be you and the people you're with or you and your environment absolutely and it's funny because yesterday we were out at Jatano Island and this guy come up to us like, hey, I want to I want to know, like, who who are you guys and what do you do? I'm like, well, we're, it's a birthday of friends. Oh, OK, I'm here with my company. He's like, so but I started talking to him, uh, smart, young black guy talking about, uh, you know, I told him about outsiders. Like a lot of us know each other through the outdoors, the outsiders, I should say. Uh, and I'm like, you should join sometimes. Like, oh, man, you know, he said, he said, I'm black. You know, I'm not uh, it's not for me. I'm like, well, that's that's not true, my friend. Like. I know typically it's not been something that has been proposed and easy access to people in an urban environment, but look at everyone here. Look at, look at everyone. There's a lot of people that look like you with us. Like, you should check it out. It might not be your thing, but we're not doing things that are extreme, beginner-friendly. Mm -hmm. And I saw like his, his like confusion turn into like, wow, that's really interesting. You know? So hopefully we turn him into a potential uh, attendee. But... You know, a lot of people feel like black people don't hike. You know, that's that's uh, mm -hmm. a, that's a stereotype that is quickly changing with the groups that I know that do that. So us, we're a group that's diverse. We want people from all creeds, uh, religion, color, sexual orientation, all that together. But there are groups that are specifically for, you know, like the hood hikers, black people outside, uh, flock together. There's all these groups that are specifically for black or uh, black Latino groups and so on. Um, and... I think it's great. I think it's great that they're doing this because it's making it accessible, making it not so like it's not for us, but except that like this is ours. It makes it it makes it everyone theirs. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's funny that we're also changing our approach in Sweden because we were doing the same thing we're doing in the U.S. But we decided my, my guys to help me run Sweden. It was their idea that they wanted to focus predominantly on making it accessible for kids in the suburbs and the suburbs meaning the hood in Sweden. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know what? It doesn't exist at all in Sweden. Whereas in New York, Chicago, LA, they have groups like that. So we're more about bringing everybody together. Mm -hmm. So we're, uh, we're doing that. So it's interesting when I ask you that question, that your response is similar to, to the, the, the problems we're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's good. On the right track for sure, man. Working on it. <laughs> all right. I went on a tangent myself. I apologize. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, That's what we got editing for, baby. Chop uh, listen, I don't. We don't edit. edit. Oh, you don't, no, don't edit. Listen, oh, let, shit, they hear everything. No, no, no. It, it's straight from the minute we start recording until the minute we stop. Yeah. Unless Oops. you say, listen, can you admit that? Yeah. Then and we'll do, on Instagram, we do have like a, a high. I'll it's a highlight reel, yeah. But I literally, it's it's from the minute we start to the minute we end. Oh wow. Yeah. I have another question. So, what is uh, a dream you get to achieve? I guess you just answered that with the goal of your family, but is there anything else that, like, maybe a personal goal you want to achieve? Like a selfish goal for yourself? No. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, I think you already told us your, your goal. So yeah. Uh, my next question is one of my favorites. What is your most embarrassing moment? Embarrassing? Oh, I think. I mean, I'm sure I got a, a bunch. I feel of like them. you would. You would have something embarrassing. Oh. Some people out here, some of the people we interview are the types that don't necessarily get embarrassed because they don't care what others think. I mean, I've had some funny things happen as a kid. Like Let's I, hear it. I was in a. I think I was in second grade. We used to play uh, before school and hop over fences and play cops and robbers. And I tore my, I got caught on a, a high fence and ripped my uniform. Yeah. And my ass was showing. So I had to walk around there. I had banana uh, underwear on, you know. <laughs> so it was, it was really, it was bad. And so I had to go to the principal's office. They gave me some pants, but they didn't fit. It was terrible. Oh, no. But yeah, but I had to walk through, you know, everybody to see it. So. With your ass out. Banana yeah. underwear. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That that that's an embarrassing moment for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I actually like. I think I. I got some scars. Like I cut my ass too on the. Really? Yeah. When I came down, because that was getting chased, man. It was real, man. I was I hopped the fence. I was like, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> it was bad. All right. Well, we're glad you're healed. Uh, <laughs> what have I not asked you that you want to share about yourself? Is there anything? Um, about myself, I don't think so. I think I, I mean I've spoken what I've spoken. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's fine. I got the last segment of this. If you can't think of anything, is five rapid fire questions. All right. Oh, so, shit. All right. Come on. All right. <laughs> I'll be as quick as I can. What's your favorite city? Other than Chicago and New York City. In, in the States? True. Uh, anywhere in the world. So far, it's been Rome. Rome? I've never been to Rome. I haven't been to Rome yet. I got to go. Why do you like Rome so much? Uh, it's like you go into a time capsule. It was dope. Mm. Very Coliseum unique experience. And all these yeah, things. and you can walk those. I noticed roads. your tattoo is, uh, is that Roman? Uh, That's David. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got this before I even know, before I even started my spiritual journey, which is funny. I was, you know, I was looking for something to hold on to. So I thought the cool, the story of David was cool, man. The underdog story. Yeah, David Goliath. And, okay. And look at how, right. He just used what he had. He didn't go like lift weights to beat Goliath. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm dope with this slingshot. I got this. Watch out. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> I like that story. Uh, you know, that's cool. I'm chilling. All right. Uh, if you could do any other profession, what would you do? These are good. <laughs> uh, uh, any other profession? I w if I could do any, it would probably be something crazy, like fly a jet or something. Really? I, yeah. I thought your, your, your answer would have been like NBA player, professional uh, basketball player. No, I like my journey. <clears throat> I mean, like, I guess that could have been your dream growing up. But you know, be flying a jet or something crazy like that would be the answer now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your vice? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know your advice. Hey, listen, uh, me and Mary have a good relationship, um, and I'll just keep it at that, you know? Okay. <laughs> I mean, do you, are you opposed to talking about that? Or no, not? not at all. Actually, I'm a I'm an advocate for it if, if it um, I mean, by Mary, it means sense. marijuana. Yeah, cannabis. Uh, yeah. So I, I smoke. Listen, so, so are most, that majority of the everybody that works in the studio, they're all uh, proponents for uh Yeah, no, Mary for Jane. sure. Listen, I'll tell you. Um, and if I if I'm going over, let me know. Um, for for several reasons, um, I promote cannabis, and I actually would like to not even need any any vice, if you want to say right. But I look at it from a pain standpoint. I got injuries I've had. I got really bad feet, um, and I do deal with pain on a daily basis. Um, so I take a hit to kind of take that initial pressure off and kind of allow me to get my gears going. Um, I don't, I don't think that anybody should misuse it and just, um, smoke all day. I don't think that's a, that's a good way to live. I also can see how it can be very, um, damaging to someone who is not in the right mental state. Um, you know, if you're dealing with a lot of stressors that can exacerbate it. So mm. listen, you know, everybody has their, has their limits and shit figured it out on their own. But for me, it's helped me with my physical pain, um, as a relaxant. That's what I use it primarily for. So not just smoking. I, I use the rubs as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it, it as a topical, um, and it helps. 
Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what's your greatest fear? My greatest fear? Man, I got rid of fear a while ago. No fear at all. I mean, come on, it's not. I have moments of fear. Or I guess you can say anxiety, but I've I found peace, man. Even in the storm, like even during COVID, it was probably the worst time you could think of for a lot of people. <clears throat> and I found I found myself more at peace during that time. Was was that due to your relationship with God? Yeah, it's okay. the only thing that gets you through. I've had some crazy experiences too, where uh, yeah, God's the only thing that gets you through. You can say what you right. want for sure. So <clears throat> to know that there's a like I said, that takes the weight off my shoulders. Okay. Yeah, I worry about what I can control and the things that I can't. I, I rely on faith. I don't walk by my own. Okay. My sight. Yeah, by faith, not by sight. Do you walk with confidence that you have uh, someone looking over you? In a sense? Yeah, it's, I look at it from from the from a guidance standpoint, right? It's to keep my commandments, and He can't lie. That's what it says in the scriptures. Yeah. He's a God that can't lie. So if He's saying that if you follow his commands, you'll be blessed and, and, and he's going to look out for you, then what do you have to worry about? Uh, other than how strong your faith is. You kind of believe or do you really believe? Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes not easy because your environment forces you to, uh, to stand on that and not waver. And a lot of people can't mm -hmm. do that, you know. But All right. No, yeah, I appreciate man. that uh, answer. It's, it's something that... Uh, and these are just my opinions. This is just my perspective. Well, everyone knows that. You know? yeah, they don't have to make yeah. a disclaimer. Everyone knows that. Uh, last question, and I don't know if you had time to do this because I mentioned it very late, late last minute, but what's your favorite food? I'm guessing you didn't have time to bring it. Man, I talk about food, but my quick one is watermelon. Yeah. I love water. I can eat watermelon all day. Uh, vice, like that, is gummy bears. What? Gummy bears, I throw them in the freezer, so they're like a hard candy, but then they switch up on you. Favorite normal gummy bears or single Haribo. Gotta be Haribos. Oh, so okay. Gotta be Haribos. <laughs> if they're not Haribos, they are not gummy bears. It's <laughs> imitators. <laughs> telling you. So sure. that's your favorite food? Watermelon <laughs> Haribo gummies? Yeah. If we're talking like a dish, yeah. Uh, I mean, any anything my mom cooks, really. Like, I What does she cook? What's Belize, Belize, Belizean? Yeah. Like, food she like? does Caribbean food, soul food. Like traditional soul food, but then also Caribbean, like so stew, like stew goat or mm. curry goat or stew chicken or oxtail. You know, I made some oxtail yesterday. Uh, Would you have a rabo? Yeah. Where? I, there's a picture I posted that on uh, Instagram. Oh, you made that? Yeah, I made He's that. He's Puerto Rican, oh my man. God, like, it's so good. They know about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, trust me. That, I, I've eaten plenty of it. It's <laughs> delicious. That's one of the most tenderest meats you can have. Oh, it's yeah. fatty piece, too. Yep. Um, Damn, man, I'm getting hungry again. You're going to be helping us plan the uh, outside of destination trip to Belize. I'm not sure when that will take place. We have so many destinations we want to go to, but we got to hit Belize. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have to work on that. Other Absolutely. than that, we're going to have you coming out to outside of Chicago events more often, uh, I hope, if everything lines up. For sure. Uh, if not, we'll definitely get you to help out some, have your mom involved if she's up for it. I know, I think she'd be a great addition, a great resource for yeah, us. Yeah, man, I'll bring her for sure. You Please. got my work. And I uh, appreciate that. Uh, but other than that, you're the first feature on Outside of Chicago. That's from Chicago. Uh, and uh, we'll have to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Peace.